Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about osteoporosis. And you can follow along with written notes on this topic at zerodefinals.com slash osteoporosis or in the rheumatology section of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Osteoporosis is a condition where there is reduced density of the bones. Osteopenia refers to a less severe reduction in bone density than osteoporosis. And reduced bone density makes bones less strong and more prone to fractures. First let's talk about the risk factors for developing osteoporosis. Older age is a big risk factor and most patients with osteoporosis will be older aged. Being female, particularly postmenopausal when women lose that oestrogen that protects the bones. Reduced mobility and activity because mobility and resistance through the bones improves their strength and density. Having a low BMI or body mass index, particularly under 18.5 kilograms per meter squared. Rheumatoid arthritis. Alcohol and smoking are both risk factors. Long-term corticosteroids is a key risk factor that you need to remember. And NICE suggests the risk significantly increases when patients are taking the equivalent of more than 7.5 milligrams of prednisolone per day for more than three months. Other medications are also a risk factor for osteoporosis, such as SSRI medications for depression, proton pump inhibitors to protect the stomach lining, anti-epileptic medications, and anti-estrogen medications that might be used in conditions like breast cancer. Postmenopausal women are a key group where osteoporosis should be considered. Remember that estrogen is protective against osteoporosis. So estrogen is important for women maintaining the health of their bones. So unless a postmenopausal woman is on hormone replacement therapy, they have significantly less estrogen and therefore they are higher risk for developing osteoporosis. Let's talk about something called the FRAX tool. The FRAX tool gives a prediction of the risk of a fragility fracture over the next 10 years. And this is usually the first step in assessing someone who you might think is at risk of osteoporosis. So it involves inputting information like their age, their BMI, their comorbidities, smoking and alcohol history and their family history. And you can enter a result for bone mineral density that you might get from a DEXA scan for a more accurate prediction using the FRAX tool. But you can also use the FRAX tool without doing the bone mineral density. It gives results as a percentage 10-year probability of a major osteoporotic fracture or a hip fracture. So this gives the percentage likelihood of the person developing a significant fracture relating to a low bone mineral density. So next we have to talk about bone mineral density. We can measure bone mineral density using something called a DEXA scan, which stands for Dual Energy X-ray Absorptiometry. DEXA scans are brief X-ray scans that measure how much radiation is absorbed by the bones as they put radiation through. And this gives an indication of how dense the bone is. The bone mineral density can be measured at any location on the skeleton, but the reading at the hip is the key one for the classification and management of osteoporosis. 
bone density can be represented as a z-score or a t-score. Z-scores represent the number of standard deviations the patient's bone mineral density falls below the mean for their age. So basically it tells us how does the patient's bone mineral density compare to somebody who's average for their age. The T-score represents the number of standard deviations below the mean of a healthy young adult that their bone mineral density is. So this basically says how dense are this patient's bones compared to a healthy young adult. The most clinically important outcome is the T-score measured at the person's hip. So this basically says how dense is your hip bone compared to a healthy young adult. This forms the basis for the WHO classification or the World Health Organization classification of osteoporosis. DEXA scans can be useful for confirming that the patient has osteoporosis and also for monitoring treatment for osteoporosis. So let's define the World Health Organization classification. So when a patient has a T-score at the hip of more than minus 1, this is a normal bone mineral density. And this means they're within one standard deviation of a normal healthy young adult. When the T-score at the hip is minus 1 to minus 2.5, this indicates osteopenia. When the T-score is less than minus 2.5, so they're more than 2.5 standard deviations below a healthy young adult, this indicates osteoporosis. And if they have a T-score of less than minus 2.5, plus they've developed a fracture, this indicates severe osteoporosis. So how would we assess somebody? Well, the first step is to perform a FRAX assessment on the patient at risk of osteoporosis. So this would be all women over 65, men over 75, or younger patients with risk factors like a previous fragility fracture, history of falls, low BMI, long-term steroids, endocrine disorders, and rheumatoid arthritis. The NOG guidelines, N-O-G-G guidelines from 2007, suggest that the next step in management, based on the probability of a major osteoporotic fracture, from the FRAC scores. So basically you take the FRAC score, you plug it into the NOG guidelines, and they tell you what to do. So if the FRAC's outcome in a patient who hasn't had their bone mineral density measured will suggest one of three outcomes, either they're low risk, so you can just reassure them and continue with a healthy lifestyle. They're intermediate risk. So you need to offer them a DEXA scan and then recalculate the risk with the results. Or they're high risk, in which case you don't need to do a DEXA scan. You should just offer them treatment. If you do a FRAC score with a bone mineral density result, it'll suggest one of two outcomes. Either you treat them or you offer lifestyle advice and reassure them. So how would you manage somebody with osteoporosis? Well, first you would encourage key lifestyle changes. And these are lifestyle changes that will reduce the risk of osteoporosis. Firstly, activity and exercise, maintaining a healthy weight, ensuring they take in enough calcium and enough vitamin D, find ways to avoid falling so that they're less likely to obtain a fracture, get them to stop smoking and also reduce their alcohol consumption. Let's talk about vitamin D and calcium. NICE recommend calcium supplements with vitamin D in patients who are at risk of fragility fractures 
with an inadequate intake of calcium. So for example, you might offer Calcitude D3, which contains 1,000 milligrams of calcium and 800 units of vitamin D. In patients who have an adequate intake of calcium, but they're lacking sun exposure, you would offer vitamin D supplements. And both vitamin D and calcium are really important for ensuring there's enough material available for bones to build up nice and strong. Next, let's talk about bisphosphonates. And bisphosphonates are the first line treatment for osteoporosis. And they work by interfering with osteoclasts and reducing their activity, preventing them from reabsorbing bone. Remember that osteoclasts are the ones that are responsible reabsorbing bone and taking calcium out of bone and putting calcium back into the blood. So by disrupting the activity of the osteoclasts, you reduce the amount of bone that is being absorbed. It's important to remember a few key side effects to bisphosphonates. The first is reflux and esophageal erosions, and they can be quite damaging to the lower esophagus when they reflux out of the stomach once they've been taken. For this reason, oral bisphosphonates are taken on an empty stomach with the patient sitting upright for at least 30 minutes before they move or eat to prevent the bisphosphonate from refluxing and causing damage to the esophagus. Bisphosphonates can also cause atypical fractures, for example, atypical femoral fractures that you wouldn't normally find. They can also cause osteonecrosis of the jaw, and osteonecrosis of the external auditory canal. And these are the key four side effects that you're likely to come across in your exams. Some examples of options for bisphosphonates are alendronate, 70 mg once weekly, which is an oral bisphosphonate, resindronate, 35 mg once weekly, which is also an oral bisphosphonate, and zolendronic acid, 5 mg, which is only given once yearly. And this is given intravenously. There's a few other medical options other than bisphosphonates when bisphosphonates are contraindicated or when they're not tolerated. One of them is called denosumab. And this is a monoclonal antibody that works by blocking the activity of osteoclasts. So it works quite similarly to bisphosphonates, but it acts as a monoclonal antibody to cause the immune system to attack the osteoclasts. The next is something called strontium ranolate, which is a similar chemical element to calcium that stimulates osteoblasts and blocks osteoclasts. But the downside of strontium is that it increases the risk of DVT, PE and myocardial infarction. So its use is generally avoided, unless absolutely necessary. Another is called raloxifene, and this is used as secondary prevention only. So this is after a person has already developed a fragility fracture. It is a selective estrogen receptor modulator that stimulates estrogen receptors on bone but blocks estrogen receptors in the breast and the uterus. The final alternative medical option is hormone replacement therapy and this can be considered for bone protection in women that go through menopause early but generally hormone replacement therapy in women in older age is not considered to be used for bone protection. However, it can be a useful side effect. So how do we follow up patients? Well, low-risk patients 
that are not being put on treatment should be given lifestyle advice and followed up within five years for a repeat assessment using the FRAX tool. Patients on bisphosphonate should have a repeat FRAX and a DEXA scan after three to five years. A treatment holiday, so a period where they're taken off their bisphosphonate or their treatment, should be considered if their bone mineral density has improved and they're not suffering from any fragility fractures. And a treatment holiday involves a break from treatment for about 18 months to three years before repeating the assessment again to consider whether they need to go back on treatment. So thanks for listening to this podcast episode on osteoporosis. A big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing this podcast. It wouldn't be possible to maintain it without his hard work. If you found this podcast helpful and you want written notes on this topic and all the other podcast episode topics, head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of the Zero to Finals Medicine book. If you don't fancy picking up a copy of the book, you can find all the notes as well as videos, illustrations and questions completely free on the Zero to Finals website. And if you want to help me out, I'd really appreciate a rating or a review on iTunes. It's really motivating for me to keep going with these podcasts and getting them out to you twice a week. And I hope you tune in for the next episode, which will be on osteomalacia.